Hi, and welcome to Screens and Focus Podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brooke. I'm Diana. Today, we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 1, and we have recommendations on Schmigadoon, Jungle Cruise, and Cruel Summer. But before we dive in, we always want to know how we're doing. So Diana, how are you today, my friend? I am great, Brooke. I'm so excited about The Walking Dead Season 11. It's bittersweet, right? Because it's the end. It's the final season. But I'm excited because we have a lot of episodes in front of us and we get to really dig in and just, oh, hopefully, you know, have all these storylines be completed. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? I'm good. I am really excited about The Walking Dead. I was blown away by their performances. So I think it's going to be a great finale. And I'm hoping that they can get some cover band and copyrights for that song. It's the end of the world as we know it. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Right? In some way, I think they could make it really creative, like, you know, just like somebody's footsteps and then maybe opening a cabinet, like just kind of like how they would do that, you know, and we would just see, watch what they're doing as an intro to the episode. And then I think that'd be a really cool, even if they didn't um, sing the words, maybe if it were just like the tune, we'd all get it. You know, I just saw internment uh, from season four and it's that song that I love. Um, I don't know if it's called Midas Touch. I can't remember now, but it has the words in it. And it's the one with Herschel in the prison and he's helping everybody. And um, But the song comes on a couple times during that uh, episode and I just love it. And I really miss the music and the, when they put those songs into the episode. So I'm looking forward to them doing that. And you have an excellent suggestion with that song. Oh, so, so if you're listening... Producers, I know you're not dead. done. <laughs> right? Which I know they're Listen. listening. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Cool. Okay. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. This episode was so, so stellar. I mean, I, we've been waiting for this, and I'm so very excited to see where we've left off. And we got to see Eugene, Yumiko, Princess, and uh, Ezekiel at the Commonwealth community. And you know, she decided to stick around. But, you know, I questioned it at first. I was curious. So I want to know, did you think that Yumiko made the right decision by staying when she saw that her family member um, had been looking for her? She posted the picture and the comment on the wall. Or if it were you, would you have stayed or would you have left? Those thoughts went through my mind watching Yes, princess and everybody was like, you know, Princess was like, look, you have to see this. Eugene and Ezekiel was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a really tough decision, I think. And so I'd be curious what, you know, other people would have done in a situation like that. I think my very initial thought was don't stay. You don't know these people. And you're, you, this is your opportunity to get out, to really escape, because you just don't know But if I had a sibling and they were looking for me, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. So I totally get her wanting to stay. Right. So I think if it was actually me, 
I think I would have stayed. But I would say my my initial gut was like, you got to run. You don't know these people. What if they kill you tomorrow? What if you never get to see your brother or your sibling? So what about you? What do you think? I had very similar, um, uh, I guess, uh, reservations about staying and leaving. You know, I, first of all, wasn't sure if they would even get out uh, without being seen wearing that get up. And, right. And <laughs> uh, already questioned by just taking them down the hallway. Um, so I'm not sure what they have beyond the wall or whatever they have beyond their their control uh, as to escaping. And would they be found? Would the Reapers get them? So I thought that it's possible that it would be a better idea to just stick around because maybe, you know, they already got out once and they could potentially do it again if they needed to. Mm-hmm. So I felt pretty comfortable with them staying. Yeah. Although I thought about that man who was being yanked away from that table and I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What are Yeah, he, I agree. He looked pretty fearful. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, oh no, this is not, you know, especially, um, I don't think Eugene was around, or I'm not sure, I can't remember, with the um, horse trough scene where they were chopping heads off at um, oh, Sanctuary. At, ter- at, ter- <laughs> I, at the Terminus. At yeah, terminus. terminus, yeah, thank you. I would be freaking out like, oh my God, is it time? Is this it for me <laughs> after all of this? <laughs> well, also... When they talked to that couple, they were talking about the yeah. husband thought it had been four months and she said nine months. I'm like, holy crap. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. You've been there for that long? Right. That, that just seems crazy. And then the guy was freaking out about, so were they just trying to scare us with that? Maybe those people were plants. Yeah. I don't know. You know, who knows what it really is, was, but Yeah. Yumiko, I was like, get out, get out. But, you know, that's the thing. Family and connection, you know, that's what everybody is longing for, their connection and their, you know, reunite, reuniting with people. And so I, I can totally see her wanting to stay. Yes. Um, but we also want to know what you think out there. Did you think Yumiko made the right decision to stay? Would you have stayed or left? You can leave us a comment on Twitter at in underscore screens. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our website. The links are in our show notes. All right, Brooke, what were your overall thoughts of episode one, Akron part one? Well, first of all, I was very, very interested to see what happened to the group where we left off. Um, They had defeated Alpha and the Whispers. And uh, I'm still very concerned about Connie, which we didn't meet Connie, but we do. Um, we did get to see majority of our group. We even got to see the children. Uh, yeah, um, Judith and Herschel. So that was really sweet to see Daryl get down low and give those two kids a hug. I just felt oh. We've come so far into this show. He's like yeah. Uncle Daryl. Yeah, little RJ. <laughs> oh, Rick I'm Jr. sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't Herschel. It was RJ. That's right. That's right. Where? What, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Thank we you. have two little boys. We have two little boys right? now. <laughs> yeah, so cute. What we? What did you think about the episode? I thought it was a great 
season premiere. One, I really did. It was really exciting. I love that opening sequence with the, those lurkers, those sleeping walkers and all the girls kicking ass. Uh, I loved also seeing where our group was, Ezekiel, Princess, Eugene, Yumiko, because the last time we had seen them, they had been captured. And so now we see, you know, what a little bit more of what this place is about. So it was really good to see um uh, that aspect of it. Um, and I loved meeting Mercer, who is uh, a member of the Commonwealth <laughs> in the orange space suit, as Ezekiel had phrased it. And uh, I also love the underground scenes with Negan and Maggie. They were so intense. And I just can't wait to talk about it. Oh, yes. Very good. So what stood out to you in this episode? So in the opening scene where we saw them creeping around that building and then they're all getting like levied down with all those like dormant walkers, I guess, where that helicopter was stored. So in there, they had all that uh, emergency food, they had weapons and there was a helicopter. I mean, there was just, it seemed like there was a lot of supplies that they really, really needed. And the fact that they were all sneaking down very quietly, and then they had to separate. So then Kelly and Magna went off, Carol, and um, who else was in the helicopter room with Carol? Rosita, Rosita was there. And were there any more? Yeah, Lydia was there. She was down there. Oh my gosh, their skills were so, their, their bravery, I mean, their valor. And then being in, you know, a military sort of bunker, I guess, it just made, it just made such sense. It kind of reminded me of another movie that we all saw where there was like full on girl power, where they all just banded together and defended and took what was theirs. Um, and, you know, I was hopeful that, those hibernating walkers would stay asleep but or dormant but daryl had cut his arm and that blood drop we got to see that drop all the way down very mission impossible okay yes that's what i that's what exactly my same thought i thought oh my god this feels like mission impossible yeah. so funny we got the bum, same bum, vibe bum, off bum, of that bum, 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 <laughs> So, yeah, it was so, so exciting, like so suspenseful. Mm -hmm. And then Carol saw another cabinet full of all that food. So then she runs over there while there's like a gazillion walkers coming at her. And she just doesn't even, it doesn't even phase her. And then she gets gets levied back up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, did you see all those walkers that were just on her, like about to be on her. Yeah. Great job, Carol. Everybody. That was amazing to watch. Amazing. I loved it too. I could, there was no words spoken. And I love that. I just, it was, it was a great scene. See, it's a great season premiere. I was so excited. And you're right. The girls were just so kick-ass. And I love that Carol went back. She's just fearless. She's all, no, we need extra food. We need these weapons. She puts it in. She goes up. But, oh, gosh, I knew something was going to happen. I'm like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. This is just too, uh, you know, too intense. And then, of course, they're going up 
being, like you said, levied up. And then um, Daryl's trying to hold on to something and he gets that cut. And then you see that blood dripping down. You see it go all the way down. It's like, oh, my Lord, what's going to happen? Oh, that was such a great scene. I loved it. Exactly. What you know, about, I, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I was going to say, I really also love um, the group being interrogated. I loved how it was shot. So we see Eugene totally scared shitless. And there's a man and a woman in suits. And I'm thinking, how did they get those suits? Do they have tailors? Do they have their laundry done? I mean, this is an apocalypse, people. I just was so shocked at how dressed up they were and could be. Uh, it's like, what does this facility have that they can have those things readily available like that? I thought that was pretty shocking. And then they start asking these questions that are um, very personal, Right. And so I'm not sure how you should answer them either. They were bizarre. It's like, what do you do for a living? What did your parents do? What were your zip codes that you lived at? Uh, what ailments or sicknesses do you have? Uh, what do you use for toilet paper? How many bowel movements do you have? I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. But what I loved was that they would ask a question and then the person being interviewed would change out to another one. So you would see like, uh, Ezekiel or uh, Yumiko, and then they would ask the question, and then you're ready for that person to respond, but then it turns into princess and the way she would respond. And I just thought that was a brilliant way to shoot that scene. It was very fun to watch. And uh, But after all these questions, I feel like Ezekiel's like, I've had it. And it, so he turns to, t turns to talk to Mercer and calls out his pumpkin-colored spacesuit and says that he looks like a an asshole beat cop. Um, and I thought, oh, my gosh, Ezekiel, you're saying this to a, a man with uh, the weapons and all the power. I was really surprised. But, um, but you know, I love Ezekiel. And uh, that Mercer guy, he seems very stern and uh, scary. But at the same time, he hasn't done anything um, to seem like they're in immediate danger. So I think feel like he's like a lot of bark and maybe not a lot of bite. Oh, yeah. So it's like they're fishing, maybe. Yeah. Just kind of see where they're at. But I do like your comment earlier when we were talking that maybe those people uh, in the other cages might be uh, working for the pumpkin people. And, <laughs> you know, you just never know. Like, that could all be a setup just to like see just give them a bit more anxiety and draw them out to to for their interrogation and right who knows where it could have gone if uh they didn't have that you know i think that'd be really clever to have actors you know uh, all around the facility who's just spying to see right. what's just part of their evaluation yes especially if they have suits they might have you know a whole uh, organization, you know, to to bring in new people, possibly, uh, which is which is really wise compared to other in initiations where it's just three questions. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Totally. So I also really, really was interested in Alexandria. I completely had forgotten that it had caught fire. And um, we see them doing a, de- a briefing uh, when they get back because they, they need to get more food. They need more food. And Maggie knows of a place where there is crops. They've got livestock. Um, everything that you could possibly need, but it was taken by dangerous people who was out yeah. in the woods sniping on men, women, and children. And that's scary. Just one man. And he was like a spy where he, he, you know, they got him, but then I, it's like he took a poison thing and then just like killed, like, right? I mean, uh-huh. he, yeah. he just, he, yeah, it's just, it's kind of creepy to know that these people uh, are that intense. And so uh, some of the group, Carol, Aaron, and Rosita, did not want to have, they, don't, they did not want to go after those people, right? I mean, well, they felt like it was a suicide mission is what they felt like, yeah. Yeah, that's what Rosita had said. And it sounded very, very true. Like I would feel the same way. But Daryl's like, well, we do not have food, so we would be dead anyways. Yeah. It's like, and what do you do in that circumstance, right? You have to eat. You, everybody has to eat and everything's destroyed. So what do you do? Yes, Daryl was saying that, you know, everything uh, has been ravished, all the grocery stores, all, and I'm surprised that they're even talking about grocery stores after 10 years, but okay. And um, uh, the the walkers had, you know, cleared out all the animals, they've run them off, so there's yeah. nothing for them there, and they have to either migrate or uh, find a whole lot uh, maybe a community, and that seems really scary because we've seen what they've done before with Negan and the Saviors. Uh-huh. Speaking of Negan. Yes. So let's talk about their travels and and how it's raining, and they're like, oh, we need to find somewhere to go to get out of this rain, and they go underground, and uh, man, that's a whole new place for all of them. And uh, Negan keeps trying to give them direction, but they're not listening. Uh, Maggie keeps calling the shots because Maggie wants to keep going forward. And Gage and Roy start thinking Negan's information sounds valid. And they end up running off with their uh, food and their ammunition and everything. So they've taken off. And... uh, Negan and Maggie, right? They get in a altercation at that point. A verbal altercation, for sure. He's just had it, you know? He's done. But they've been eyeballing, you know? Even when she got back from that helicopter mission. Yeah, there's been several times because... And so we have felt the tension. So I think at this point, uh, they're not listening to him. I can't believe that he brings up Glenn. Bam. And that's, yeah. And then Daryl just, you know, smacks him, which I was really happy about that point. It's like, I can't believe you brought up Glenn's name. That is like crazy. That really is crazy. Well, yeah, especially because that weighs heavily on Daryl. Daryl feels very heavily responsible for Glenn's death. Right. 
He does. Uh, so I and also I kind of feel like in a way that was saving Negan from Maggie because it, can you imagine being Maggie and him saying that she could have just turned around and shot him just out of pure you know passion and anger, but so I think actually Daryl punching him was somewhat saving Negan. But it's interesting because Negan tells um, you know says hey basically you're out here to kill me. Uh, and so then he looks at Daryl and he goes, huh? Yeah, I could tell maybe you weren't aware of the situation that's happening here because I can tell by the look on your face. But then Maggie tells him they voted this way. This is how they voted. And I really liked hearing her and where her head was at and how much she has changed and that there's that there's still a small piece of the woman that she was when she left Alexandria and that is what's keeping him alive and you know i really want everyone to remember that negan did kill glenn i mean he bashed his head in he didn't just kill him he violently murdered him in front of his loved ones and i can't ever see how maggie could just forget about that and yes, Negan helped them by killing Alpha. And yes, Negan has helped them um, with the whispers. But if Maggie all of a sudden was forgiving and nice, it would not make sense at all. And we would not be happy. So I think this is going to take a while and not be, we're not going to be comfortable with it yet. I think it's just going to take a while for that to happen. At this point, I think we see Dog take off and uh, Daryl goes after Dog. And we also see the rest of them. There's walkers coming their way. So they all try and make it up and over this big wall. And Maggie's trying to shoot at the walkers. And Negan is the last one to go over before her. And so then she goes up and tries to reach up and go over. And she's struggling. Her hands keep falling. And the walkers are grabbing at her legs, pulling her down. And he looks over at her and she yells his name like, Negan, like, basically help me. And he just walks away. I was like, oh, no, you didn't just do that. You didn't just walk away and leave Maggie there. I really thought for a moment he was going to pull her up and show like, oh, you know, I'm this good guy. But nope. And I guess this goes to show you where his head is at because he feels that she could kill him at any moment and he won't help someone that wants him dead. So from his perspective, I get where he's coming from, but we're talking about Maggie here. Yeah. Well, we're also talking about Negan. So yeah, Negan will be Negan. And clearly he's displaying that um, with his comment, you know, about Glenn and, you know, badass self, right? He's just... I D G A F, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually was, I guess, interested in the outcome of this. And I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? You know, is he's going to be in some trouble if she survived that fall? Um, but also, what I felt uh, about this episode was Gage. I mean, those walkers, um, 
were on gate. Like, I feel like the group didn't even care about Gage, you know, because Negan was the one that ran over there. Kid. And he was over there helping. Yes. Yes. And then, and then Negan gets trapped and then, and then he gets the walker off. But then he looks back at everybody just looking at him. Like, we're not going to help you. Do you know what you've done? Kind of a thing. They're just using him like a pack mule, you know, just like we need this guy for directions. He's our tour. Yes, exactly. And I felt terrible about that because he wanted to save that kid. Kid. He has a heart for kids. He loves kids. Yeah, he does. And I felt bad for him when it came to that. Uh, But I did appreciate the fact that there was division in the group. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of behavioral human nature. So I was, I thought that was very, uh, I think the producers and the writers did very well with psychology in this episode. Amazing. I was like psychoanalyzing everybody's behavior. Well, what is interesting is that on The Talking Dead, which was on after The Walking Dead, Negan questioned the writers, Angela and everybody else, (laughs) <laughs> he's like, what? You want me to do this? I mean, he didn't even buy into it at first. He's like, really? I'm not going to save Maggie? What are you doing? He thought it was the wrong decision. But after listening to what they said, he was totally backing it. And he's like, oh, man, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Why, why should I help people that are trying to kill me? So then he realized... Or, you know, felt really confident in his stance of Negan. But, and then what, a, about Glenn, saying Glenn's name, he said, said the same thing. He's like, what? You want me to say this? So, yes, the writers are really good about how to give this to us and how to put that divide and see both points of view, right? That was great. It really is because there are two sides. And the thing is, we do like Negan, right? He's so likable. He's so charismatic. I think the only thing is that you freaking killed Glenn and Abraham so horribly, right? And that just, and and Glenn was such a beloved character. It's like, how do you do that? How do you do that? How could you ever come back from that? But, you know, here he is trying to, you know, do, he does all these things. Like you said, his kids, he has a soft spot for kids and helping them and saving them and protecting them. And so, um it's it's going to be interesting to see all of this. And they're going to get somewhere. Something's going to resolve or something's going to happen with Maggie and Negan. But right now, they need, you know, each other. So, and that's good. That's a great thing. Yeah. What else did you, uh, what other thoughts do you have about this episode, Brooke? Um, well, I, I, I thought it was really, really, I guess, kind of cool to see the Commonwealth community, uh, as sophisticated as they were, I mean, all the way down to their silly little outfits, you know, they're like, I was, I was looking at their uniform and like, there's even like a plastic butt, like, I'm all, oh, this is so funny. (laughs) So funny. Like who came up with this outfit? Like, what would I think if I walked into a place like this, you know, and they've got this plastic butt on and I'm just like, dying laughing inside because I was really intrigued by their wardrobe and the lawyers or the interrogators, you know, like even their little suits and stuff. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then people in cages. So it was a really interesting experience to see the Commonwealth community. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about this and those uniform or, or armor, whatever you want to call it, it's to protect them. I assume protect them from the walkers. So a walker can bite you in the butt. So you better <laughs> well protect that portion of your body. Yeah. Right. So, but that's funny. I, I didn't really notice that. So yeah, that would have made me laugh too. So funny. What did you notice? What have I missed, maybe? Well, I was just thinking about those lurkers because I didn't realize why they were all laying there. And then uh, Angela Kang also talked about how there are two types of walkers in uh, the comics. There are the walkers and there are the lurkers. And the lurkers are those that are dormant because there's no activity, no food. And so they become this dormant, like you were saying. So... I never realized that. I'm like, why are they all sleeping? I didn't know walkers could sleep because we never see them sleep, right? They're always walking around and you've got to be careful. I mean, we've seen them kind of laying around, but I hadn't seen so many of them sleeping like that. So that was bizarre and scary, too. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine tippy-toeing around them. That would just freak me out. That's like walking, well, not quite as bad as walking amongst them, but pretty bad. Yeah. Also on the wall of pictures was the Easter egg of Heath. Heath's name was on that wall along with Yumiko's um, picture and note from her brother. Someone's looking for Heath. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody's looking for Heath. Is that the same Heath? Are we going to see Heath? Um so I just found that very interesting and very cool that they put that in there. Also, I know some people know, but I don't know if everyone realizes that Roy is played by C. Thomas Howell. And I had noticed him on a previous season, and now he's in this episode. And uh, he's Pony Boy from The Outsiders and uh, so many other films that I used to watch back in the 80s. So I just thought it was kind of cool to see him here. And then he was on Criminal Minds as... Um, as the Reaper. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it, I just wanted to let people know that that was C. Thomas Howell. As oh, that's Roy. really cool. Yeah. And uh, I also wanted to bring up something that you had brought up earlier about uh, talking about how Alexandria doesn't have food. And I'm like, oh, what do you do if you don't have food? If you can't grow crops and you're starving to death and you've been around to all the local places. I mean, I kind of think everybody should just get up and move. Because you've been around and you can't find anything. You almost have to really, I don't know. What would you do? Can you imagine? Because no. there's no food. There's no food. There's no animals. I mean, at least get near a river where there might be some fish. I don't know. Or some trees. I'm not sure. But uh, oh, I just think that that's very scary, not having food. Yeah. And Daryl can't even make no possum or no squirrel. <laughs> yeah. There isn't even that. What else have we He's made snake, I think. Yeah. He's pretty, he's a good hunter. I know, that sucks. The food thing, that's terrible. So I'm glad they yeah. got all that emergency food, at least for now. And then hopefully for now. we'll be able to figure yeah. something else out. Yeah. Uh, okay, Brooke, we are at our And the Award Goes To segment. And I would like to know, what was your favorite quote, character, or moment? 
Oh, my favorite moment was the girl power moment in yeah. the beginning with the helicopter. I just <laughs> loved that. I think it was so cool. And they had all their archery and they, they found weapons and oh, that, yeah, Maggie was there, I think. So I think we forgot. So there were six of them. It was Lydia, Maggie, Carol, Rosita, Connie, not, not Connie, sorry, Kelly and Magna. Yeah. No. Yeah. And um, Lydia. Yeah, for, I said Lydia. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. that was so, I loved it. Loved that moment. We needed that. And it, like, I sat there and I'm like, oh, this is all women right now. This is so cool. So, so, so cool. So that's who gets my award for this yeah. episode. So well-deserved. I love yeah. that. What about you? Uh, mine goes to Princess. She is my favorite person right now. I Aww. absolutely love her. We learned something new about her in this episode that she's highly observant, great at eavesdropping, and she's a crack up. I love when she rattled off all those details and Ezekiel, Yumiko, and uh, Eugene couldn't even grasp that. They're like, you know the guards' names? You can tell them apart? And she says, you can't? Like, you can't tell them apart? It was so like, she was so shocked that they couldn't see what she could see. And she says that um, two of the guards are having a relationship because she can tell because of their body language and how they are forcing themselves not to look at each other. And I'm thinking, how can you tell if they're not looking at each other? Oh, my God. She's so funny. So and funny. then she. And then she further explains how they go off to have sex. And she can tell by the timing of when they each leave. And, oh, I was just dying. She is just a gem. And I love her. She cracked me up during that, like, whole moment where she's talking about that. And then she got the, she gets the epiphany of, like, oh, that's how we're going to get out. Because yes. <laughs> she just goes yes. rambling on. I love yes. it. Yeah, because they're like, ooh, they take off their uniforms. We can steal them, put them on. Yeah. Which they proceed to do. Which is so Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, with the Stormtrooper outfits. <laughs> they did the same exact thing. Oh! <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. I didn't even think about that. That is so freaking cool. Yeah. Love it. Same thing. Oh, episode one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Love it. Exactly. Thank you, Brooke. Okay. So, Brooke, tell me, is there anything else that you're currently watching? Oh, I'm addicted to this show called Cruel Summer, and you mm-hmm. can watch it on Hulu. I love it. I was like, oh, I remember this girl from the kids' Disney show. And, um, so I just have like a little soft spot for like teenage actors. And I also love coming of age and teenage, you know, high school shows and movies. So I'm like, I'm going to check this out. Who knows? I don't even really know what it's about, but I love the song and I love, you know, watching <laughs> youth. So, uh, it's so good. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I did. I okay. did watch it. Oh, okay. So I'm not completed with it, but so far that I know, and I pretty, I'm pretty well into the se- the season, but it's about these two young teenage girls. And I love that it's, um, every episode is focused on a certain day for the, for three years. So it would be one day, like, let's just say July 4th, 
1993, 1994, and 1995. So we get to kind of time travel through their lives and navigate to see what happened within those three years. And these two girls did not know each other the first year um, very well. And then they kind of evolve into somewhat of a relationship where they're having to deal with a very serious issue and it's life altering and it's affecting them heavily, both in very negative ways. And so it was just so interesting to see where they began, where they were in the middle of it, and then where they were dealing with the issue. And um, it gets very legal. It's very dramatic. And it has something to do with a kidnapping situation. And of course, all the other teenage drama that could go on. And I love that it's uh, in the 90s. I mean, I was, you know, living life during this time. So it's very interesting to see a lot of the fashion and decor. You know, I love how much I love uh, the set design yeah, and um, music. Alternative music was my thing in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a really good show. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. It is very good. I still want you to see, I don't know that you've seen it, but have you seen Generation on HBO? Oh, not yet. Not yet. There's like other teen movies or teen shows that I'm really interested in seeing. And I'm like, oh, there's just so many. I have to make yeah. a list. That's just my jam. I just really have always loved watching those high school. Maybe it's because I feel like I I uh, want to relive it or something. <laughs> well, know. I like a lot of those too. I really do. Because look, I'm suggesting one now, right? And so, um, yeah, you should check that one out too. I think I think you'll really like that one. So Cool. Yeah. What have you been watching? I wanted to share with everyone that I watched Schmigadoon on Apple TV. I loved it. So it's uh, a TV show. It has six episodes. It's a parody of the 40s and 50s musical. It's hysterical and it's fun. And it stars Cecily Strong, who plays Melissa. She's from SNL and other uh, movies and shows. And then Keegan-Michael Key plays Josh. And they're a couple who are struggling in their relationship and go to a couple's retreat, get lost, and find Schmigadoon, where everyone is in a musical. Oh, my gosh. They break up, but only true love will allow them to leave. It's so entertaining. There's all these big Broadway people who make appearances. Josh, Michael, or Keegan-Michael Key, does not like musicals at all. (laughs) And Melissa loves them, but they know they're in a musical. And it's so funny because Melissa will say, oh, we're doing the chorus again? And then, like, she's, it's so freaking funny. It's like... It's just, it's a great show. It's, uh, it, I can't say enough about it. It's just really fun to watch. So I would really strongly encourage anybody to watch it. I also saw Jungle Cruise in the theaters when I went on my little road trip vacation. And I saw this with my niece, her husband, and also my, uh, her son and daughter, which is my godson. 
And uh, it was really fun to watch it with them. This is with Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, and they have great chemistry. Um, the movie's inspired by the Disney ride about a captain of a small riverboat who takes a scientist and her brother through the jungle in search of the tree of life. It's just a really fun adventure movie. And I just recently read there will be a second one. So it'll be nice to see them uh regroup for a second one because I think that they really are um they really acted really well against each other so it was great I also want to um, bring up the movie Coda this is on Apple TV Uh, I didn't realize this but Coda stands for a child of deaf adults and so Ruby is played by Amelia Jones, and she's a 17-year-old who is the only hearing member of her family and wants to pursue singing, which causes an issue since her family needs her to run their help them run their fishing business because she's the only hearing person. And so there's just a lot of conflict uh, with what each person wants. It's extremely well acted. It's a coming of age film. Marley Matlin plays her mother and it got 69% Rotten Tomatoes, which means it's really, really good. And it was uh, maybe I think one of the winners or highlights in Sundance. So it just goes to show you that it's a really uh, great movie. So those are our recommendations. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Brooke. I want to share you. Share you. (laughs) I don't want to share you. I want you all to myself. I knew it. Everybody, she's keeping me. I am. all hers. You can't have her. She's mine. (laughs) No, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts on episode one. So awesome. And and I love it because, you know, we get to bounce back and forth from each other and, and we both bring up things that we hadn't thought about. So I just love it. And I also love your recommendations. And so um, thank you. Thank you for that. Of course. Thank you very much, Diana. You're great. <laughs> okay. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our website and follow Screens in Focus and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. This will help other listeners find us. Yes, thank you so much. We'll also be uploading a new episode in a couple of weeks. Our next show will be on The Walking Dead, Season 11, Episodes 3 and 4. So you could find our website listed in our show notes. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.